Don't grieve. Anything you lose comes round in another form. Rumi. Bending Not Breaking, the Dragon Prince Edition. Reflections rise again. Welcome back to another mini episode of Bending Not Breaking, our last one for a little while because season four comes out tomorrow. The Dragon Prince is coming back, y'all. We've been waiting for a long time and I'm just thrilled that we all get a chance to dive into the whole season. Some of us have already watched episode one. Very exciting. I will admit I have not yet. I'm kind of waffling about whether I want to or not. So it's this it's this thought process of like, oh, but if I watch it on YouTube, does it count if it's not on Netflix? But like, I don't know. Anyway, that's a minor thought. Anyway, uh, with that in mind, the I just want to have everybody be aware that the podcast is going to be preparing for these full-length episodes that are coming with a lot of incredible guests, including some of the people you've heard on the podcast before and some new voices as well that you've heard on the show. So I know I'm looking forward to the connecting with them and, and sharing those conversations with you. So just as a reminder, before we dive into today's mini, that we do have a Patreon supporting us to do all this work, and we're trying to get our producer to get a living wage for his time doing the you know all the producing that happens so that will be cool feel free to support there and we have sometimes we have videos of our conversations and when I ask these really tough questions you'll notice that there's often a little squirmy moment there's really good facial expressions for you to check out if you wanted to join on patreon and those are available there uh so of course today we are talking about rise again and Chris and Devin are back with us so thank you. This is our, it feels like this is like a, a closing ritual. This is our last last reflection. So oh gosh, wow. how are you all today? How are you feeling? This is the last one. I love this one. I'm I'm excited to talk about it. Um, I've been excited to talk about it. I'm glad we get the chance to to have uh, one more one last podcast uh, to talk about this one because this is a. Uh, it was fun to write. It was it it deals with some very heavy hefty uh meaty issues um pardon the reference but uh <laughs> sh- Yikes. it's almost halloween i can say that uh <laughs> i guess it is pretty poignant this is going to come out really close to halloween so mm-hmm. yeah. yeah um hey. but yeah this one this one has been uh i've been waiting eagerly to write this one we you know we had the the kind of the the layout the setup the order Mm-hmm. in line from the beginning and this was always going to be the last one and um i've i've just been mulling it over all this time and then i finally got to write it and uh it, i think it turned out so well i'm i'm really pleased i'm really excited and um you're welcome slash i'm sorry <laughs> to everybody <laughs> yeah. for the psychic damage <laughs> i'm i'm curious why was this one the last one that you wanted to release or, or do you have do we have any insight to that um yeah uh, you'll notice that i sound like terrible i've been sick all week i'm very sorry um but the reason that this one was last i think is because um it's haunting and i think we wanted to lead into the 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 season with a very sort of like haunting sort of 
piece about Claudia and the choices she's going to make, because ultimately some of the choices she makes are what will drive this the season itself. So Claudia would, was always planned to be last. Ooh, gosh. Well, if this is indicative of the theme and tone of the season, then we're in for it. Uh, because this was intense to read. And I was kind of in like, I, I felt tense and on edge as I watched where I, I, like I say watched, it felt like I was watching it with the, with the, the uh, pictures that were embedded in there. And it felt like I was watching it because I was just like the way it read, I was just seeing it on the page happening. And I was like, Oh no. Um, <laughs> Cause here's this eight year old raising the dead. And I just t- t- like, I'm curious just uh, what was the experience for you writing this? What was, what was that like? That's, this is, this is just a lot. So I'm curious. Oh, okay. First, I, I, I want to preface this because this actually is, is more important, I think, with this story than with any of the others. I usually write to music. I pick a song mm-hmm. or, or some, you know, background music of some sort and, um, and I put it on loop. And I, it just plays in my ears as long as it takes me to write. It becomes the mood. And so I have to choose pretty carefully what music I, I want, you know, to, to get the vibe right, um, et cetera. And for this, the second that this, that this, uh, the, it crystallized in my head, I knew what music I needed. I, I messaged Devin and I was like, oh my gosh, I know what I'm listening to when I write this one. It's creepy minor key music box. What? You know, the like, you know, it's like it's a happy tune, except it's in a minor key. Uh-huh. It's the kind of thing you hear in like a haunted house from the distance down the hall, oh in the God. the nursery room or something. Ding, 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 ding. You know, and I just that sort of like it's pretty, but it is haunting. It's that's a very accurate word, and uh-huh. I was like, that's what I want because Claudia is a child, and she's acting. Um, uh, in response to grief, she's sad and she's trying to do something about that in order to make her life happier, better than it was. And this is the way that she chooses using the tools that she knows because of the life that she has lived. And she's only eight. She doesn't get as much say in how her life goes as an adult might. So she's in the circumstances that she's in. She looks around and she thinks, okay, well, I have this cool dark magic that seems really awesome. My dad does this. It's very powerful. He can do stuff with this. It's just amazing. I have something terrible and I would like to avoid feeling so horrible about this terrible thing that's happened in my life. This cat has has died and that's not right. I want to fix it. I have these tools. I'm going to do it. And the logic of that is very childlike. It's very... Yeah. This is what I have. This is what I need to do. I'm sad. I'm just, it's a kind of an emotional knee jerk yeah. in a way where, um, where she's avoiding sitting with her grief. Mm-hmm. And I've been kind of curious to see whether the season uh, or the rest of the Dragon Prince will maybe address that or, or hint at it or allude to it. Why Claudia is at this point in her life already. Is it, uh, related to her her mom leaving is there something else in there is is soren being so ill when he was younger is this you know has how has all of this settled in claudia um to the point where she's carrying this and she's just a little kid and then there's this powerful dark magic that can it do anything let's find out maybe it can help me what else do i have yeah and and 
she's just she's doing her best and in a way uh, from from the child's point of view that's makes sense it's logical this is just i gotta do something i gotta do something i can't sit here with this it's too much to stay it hurts too much to stay where i am but from an adult's point of view with our outside perspective and our outside ethics and morals and things we look at what she did and we're like claudia what are you doing you know we would we would some of us would look at this and be uh, aghast maybe or or judgmental or something and she is just a child yeah um so there is there's an inside perspective and there's an outside perspective and both of those are important to consider and i think that the the music that i chose to write to kind of encapsulates all of that in one where it's beautiful and haunting and it sort of stays with you you know and you, yeah. you sometimes maybe you can't quite shake it you get an earworm going um and i think this story kind of has that echoey earworm effect i've seen a a lot of comments in social media people talking about it and and thinking their way through it and and i'm i'm glad i'm like oh good it's sitting with you you're sitting with it It, it's staying you're you're engaging with this content and and i think that's one (laughs) of the things that the dragon prince does impeccably is that it makes you consider it it does it's not forgettable you cannot forget the dragon prince uh for good or evil whichever way you want to go with it It, it's an unforgettable source of content and it makes you think and i that's one of the reasons that i love this uh ficlet as much as i do is because it is unforgettable it just gets in you and you're like oh you know yeah um and that um that's what i wanted well success like so like just from a from that perspective is is like a check 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 it was checking all the boxes <laughs> and you know there's there's so many things that as you were speaking kind of I was that were coming around and tossing around in my head that I'm debating and I think we could go in multiple directions for this conversation so I part of me is like who knows where we'll end up but the the things the the big points that I think that came up while you were speaking there were uh, the logic of an eight-year-old in relation to their feelings and in relation to grief, right? The, you know, to an adult, you were talking about how this feels like taboo, very judgmental of this is not like not okay. Ah, all the alarm bells are ringing. And I, I will admit it feels that way for me. This feels like a very like, well, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> that was my reaction. I was like, ah, oh, don't do it. This is bad. Um, I felt very much like Soren. Actually, I was like, this is this is bad. I don't know if I can name it precisely why, but like, I'm gonna tell Dad. <laughs> um, and like, I I had that reaction, and it feels very irreverent and taboo to use one's ashes to. <laughs> to 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 manipulate this form into into happening and i i have lots of questions around like what's actually happening um in terms of this like are we it begs the question of like is there a soul are we are we bringing the soul back into this magical body are we like calling it from another the other realm so to speak is it just a projection of claudia's thoughts in cat form that is using the you know ashes to create that like there's a lot of like implications here that depending on what that what is actually happening that we we just don't know 
right? And mm-hmm. it's like, there's a lot of things that are happening there. So I'm curious then, I guess I'll, I'll ask this question. Um, our brains aren't fully developed until, you know, our mid twenties and an eight-year-old is given this opportunity to process grief and uses this method of dark magic to avoid the feeling of grief, right? And we grow and become who we are based off what we experience. And what Claudia is learning is that she can avoid tough feelings. So I'm curious, I'm, I'm curious, what do you think the impact is on, on Claudia that she is learning to, that she can manipulate dead, right? The death in her at eight years old. Like, I'm curious what, how this uh, lands in terms of your thought process for her development. It's a big question. (laughs) First of all, I want to say super quick, when you ask all those questions about how the spell actually works, I think they're all valid, interesting answers. And I don't want there to be like a canonical answer as to like what is really happening. Is it the soul? Is it a projection of her, her memories? I want it to remain extremely open because I think it's creepiest if you if you get to chew on it and wonder. Um, That's for yeah. sure. Yeah, I, I hate great. it. I hate it when when things are over explained. Actually, so I'm just like, no, you don't get to know the answer. Is it the cat ghost? Maybe. Is it just her memory? Also, maybe. Yeah. Well, I think that's really interesting because the the gravity of it shifts based off the answer, right? The the weight of the decision is and the 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 ethical responsibility shifts depending on that answer too. And the fact that it's ethically grayer because of that nebulousness is makes it all the more interesting to chew on. (laughs) Yeah. And I want to let Chris get to the actual answer. I'm not going to talk about Claudia um, and how it affects her because I kind of know the dogs are scratching at my door. Terrible beasts. Um, (laughs) But Don't, don't worry. If you kill them, you can just bring them back. No, what was I saying? Yikes. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I think like, it's, it's important that Claudia doesn't really know. Like if, if you look at the book, by the way, it was like 9 PM or something. And, and I was working on this with uh, Stephanie and, and co the publishing team. And they were like, what do we put in the book? And they had some sort of lorem ipsum. And I wrote a very, very quick, I don't even know if you knew this, Chris, but like, if you zoom in on the book, there's an actual dark magic spell. Um, and it's very unclear, like, what is actually happening. Um, and someone figured it out. They zoomed in and translated it. But it yeah, basically, it's like a dark page sort of pontificating about, like, oh, yeah, dog, this totally works. Yeah, you just sprinkle some ashes on the candle and uh, uh, the thing comes out. It's rad. And it's like that clearly <laughs> the dark mage doesn't even fully understand exactly what they're tapping into. And I think that's interesting because I don't even think an adult could tell Claudia, like, exactly what the mechanism of this is. Yeah. Um, and so, like, how oh, can the, the eight-year-old be expected to, to to truly know what what that's they are grappling with? Um, anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. I, oh my god, that's amazing! <laughs> oh have, wow, that just awesome. I have thoughts now. <laughs> yeah, me too. That's what I just me too. <laughs> oh boy! All right. Oh wow. Well, well, since Chris, I guess you have the capacity to kind of pontificate a little bit and wonder with me here about the effects of this on her development, right? Because Mm -hmm. I'm in the middle of a rewatch, right? And I was just, I just got, I just finished season two and Claudia just, you know, 
took out this little doe and uh, restored Soren's a body to its previous capacities. And I, it's really interesting the the willingness and the grief that she was going through in this moment with Soren was on the surface way more than what Soren was grappling with. Soren was mm-hmm. like, you know what? I feel relief. I don't have to deal with all the burdens that I was carrying. I can now be a poet. There was this sense of freedom that was happening. And with Claudia, she was like, uh-uh, too uncomfortable, need dark magic. I can fix this. And was willing to sacrifice whatever happened to her own body, which again, that is also unclear. The toll it takes on the body, whether that's just surface level aesthetic or whether that's also on the soul or whether that's on the spirit, whatever, like whatever it the, that toll has on the body. So like, I see how this moment at eight years old is tracking to that. It's tracking to what we mm-hmm. to see with Viren. Mm-hmm. Um, and so mm-hmm. I see uh, several connections which just mm-hmm. makes me even more nervous for what's coming. But I'm curious, what, 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 what's going through your head? What are the connections you see or, or your thoughts you have? I think all of those events act as beads on a string. Yeah. Um, they are connected and there is some sort of through line for all of them um, or, or several through lines. Maybe it's a more complicated weave and they're not all on exactly the same string. Um, they can kind of sit on the side, uh, nudge up against each other. Um, but starting from a young age to be able to learn that death isn't what you think it is, mm-hmm. um, especially to be able to learn that, oh, oh, that there are things worse than death, because that's kind of a theme, things that are worse than death. Um, and things that are worse than death may be sadness and suffering, um being mourning being in mourning over something could be worse than death you know from a certain perspective yeah to a child to be like i have to be sad about this for forever oh no that's too long yeah um i'm i'm so sad i can't think about being happy i can't remember what it's like this is the worst thing ever you know kids get really invested in um things that shake them up they don't have a lot of life experience to pad them to pad their emotions to let them know it's okay uh, to have to fall for a little bit you'll have a soft landing people will catch you or maybe they won't but you'll be able to get back up when you're eight you don't know those things maybe especially um if you've had several shakeups already like soren being sick um her mom leaving and other who knows what else may have happened. Um, Catullus is not, uh, you know, a perfect kingdom and they're not a perfect family and she's not a perfect child. Their life is, is rough sometimes. Yeah. And to, to not be able to trust the world. And so you have to trust yourself. Um, and, and so you may look for things that can uh, help you do that. And dark magic could be one of the things that Claudia saw quickest. Yeah. To you know, be like, look, I can't fix this or that, but I can, I can fix it with this. Like this, this power, I don't have a lot of power. I don't have a lot of control, but yeah. dark magic does. So if I can just grab that, I'll be okay. Um, you know. Yeah. You, there's one. There's a line in this that really stuck with me, and that I see as pretty integral to Claudia's character, which is 
you wouldn't understand or you don't understand when she's talking to Soren. Um, this idea of you don't understand is a really, I see a really big through line between everything that Claudia does on that because, it, and it seems like it starts here. Maybe it started before this, but this is an early enough formative memory that it seems like it starts here with, I have access to this power. You don't understand how much pain I'm in and how necessary this is to, for me to do this. Right. And then it gets to the point where Callum is judging her about dark magic and she's, and she goes, Oh, you're, you're being really judgy. You're being, you, you don't understand. I love that. Part. And then, it, and then it happens later. You don't understand. And I feel like it's the same thing when she like lies to Ezra and say, Hey, I need a milk fruit bush. Uh, but I'm not going to tell you why I need the milk fruit bush. <laughs> like, I'm just going to avoid yeah. it because he knows yeah. that Ezra would be judgmental. And she, you know that she would say, oh, he just wouldn't understand why I have to do this. Right. And mm-hmm. there's this, this uh, lie. I, I, maybe it's not a lie, but there's this confabulation, a lie told honestly, that people don't understand when maybe they actually do. And they just have a different perspective. Um, I'm curious, what is, what is, what are your reflections on that as a, as a thought process for Claudia? It seems like something has gone differently from Claudia's perspective um, that has made her feel increasingly isolated from even people roughly her age, uh, even her own brother. Um, mm. They grew up in the same household, but Claudia says to Soren, even at this young age, you wouldn't understand, which tells me. Um, which is, you know, why I wrote it this way, that something about them has already diverged. Yeah. Something has separated them to the point where they they were not like one team. They were not on the same side about something or another. And maybe it was just a series of little things. Um, maybe there was one big event. Uh, who knows? Um, but from her perspective at this at this age, she can tell that she and Soren have different perspectives. She understands that this is already a thing. And now that I'm thinking about that, a lot of that could have come from her mom leaving. If her mom and her dad had different perspectives um, and that fact landed on her where they could not agree. They could not agree and they split and and Lisa left. That Claudia can look at that event in her life and say, something's you you can't agree on this is this is a fact of life mm-hmm. it is possible for two people who want to work together who love each other who used to be on the same side can somehow not stay that way this is the fact in my life i don't like this fact this is a terrible fact terrible. she doesn't um <laughs> yeah she doesn't i mean even years later when she's talking to Ezra about it it it's rough on her to remember that moment she struggles with it a little bit when they're talking and um, I think that this has become a part of who Claudia is, that she may feel slightly isolated sometimes. And mm-hmm. the more she relies on dark magic in a in a kingdom where people kind of give it a little side eye, like, oh, I don't know about that. You know, some yeah. people um, really appreciate it. Some people like even Soren um, struggle with it, like, oh, I, I don't like this. I don't, this doesn't feel right. And and here she is relying on this dark magic to 
pull her through to give her power and control in in her life where she maybe didn't feel like she really had enough she was feeling bereft or she was struggling in you know emotionally yeah and and partly because she doesn't deal with that maybe she runs away from that that she ends up maybe relying on dark magic a little more than maybe if she had i don't know had a therapist or something when she was eight yeah i mean i have those in catalysis I know. Yes, I yeah. know. It's or in anywhere in Sydney, or in any fiction, actually. <laughs> I know it's they, illegal. They don't exist. Yeah, I, I live Sopranos, <laughs> I, and I it just, doesn't help. <laughs> I just tweeted. Uh, I was doing a live tweet of uh, the episode where <laughs> Air, uh, Viren goes and looks and finds Erebos' name, and then they all disappear, and he comes back, and Erebos like, "Why don't you? Why you don't trust? I need to trust you. I can't trust you. Tell, why should I trust you?" And Viren's like, or uh, Erebos is like, "You shouldn't." I love Viren's little breakdown there. It's great. <laughs> but, but this moment where, but Erebos immediately follows that with, but I, but you, but I want you to learn to trust me. And then Viren starts going off and starts just opening up. And Erebos is like, yeah. And I'm like, man, this would, this whole situation could have been avoided if Erebos, if he was, if he saw a therapist instead of Erebos here. Because uh, that's what he's, <laughs> Erebos is not a good therapist. It's so not the one you want. That's terrible. The relief that Viren has when he just gets to open up and say, what's on your mind? Who's going against you? And he just flops in the chair, leans back and releases all of this. And Erebos is like, I have him. <laughs> like, it's, uh, like, it's like immediate. Wow, and it was really that easy. You just had to ask, hey, Viren, how are you feeling? And he's like, bad. <laughs> and that's it. That's all it took. Right. That's all it took. And part of me wonders if Claudia had one person where she could be that vulnerable with that was not using her or planning to manipulate her, that that could have solved a lot of problems here. Um, Because and, and I think what's interesting about that is, you know, you mentioned, Chris, emotional pain. Right. This mm-hmm. um, one of the things that I, I think that a lot of people don't realize is that the body experiences emotional pain very similarly to physical pain. The brain processes pain when we have heartbreak, when we experience grief, our brain processes pain the same way that if we get our our thumb pricked, right? Which is really, really interesting when you think about how do we cope with our pain, right? Because when we experience something that that's like a greater pain than most people ever experience is heartbreak and grief because a lot of people don't break bones right it's one of those things where a lot of people don't have really physical conditions the only pain they experience is emotional right and that's certainly not true for everyone but it's one of those things where of course you're going to figure out like if, if you are in pain it makes sense that you're going to try and alleviate that pain it makes sense and if it is easier for me to experience physical pain than emotional pain. This is often the logic of when people engage in self-harm, right? And so when I'm experiencing emotional pain on a level that is so intense that it is easier for me and my brain to process physical pain, often people will resort to self-harm behavior. And in a way, I'm wondering if dark magic <laughs> is a metaphor for this, because what happens is now <laughs> it is like, it, like, right. It's like, I just, that's a through line that feels really interesting to me because Claudia's in pain. 
she is really, really suffering, has no idea how to get rid of that pain. And so engages in this dark magic that when you don't know the toll that it is taking on your body, we know it's dangerous. People, Viren's like, it's dangerous. But is he saying that because he just wasn't doesn't want Claudia to do it? Or is there real danger? We know that there's some sort of effect on the body. We know that there's some sort of something. And so I'm just saying it feels like a metaphor for self-harm. And so I'm curious, uh, how does that land with either or both of you? I'm, I'm curious if that's something you're like, no, that feels really whack. That's a weird connection you're making or, <laughs> but I don't know. It made sense in Incredibly my- Incredibly spicy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, like dark magic isn't, it, it does, I think, take a toll on the person that does it physically. Um, it, I mean, we saw Callum get very, very ill because- yeah of doing dark magic there's there is a physical cost to it um i do want to say canonically really quick viren wants her to learn dark magic mm -hmm. the the thing she's doing is she's doing it without his careful guidance here yes. um he, he doesn't want her to do so much that she experiences that um and i will say that very carefully uh he he wants to guide her very carefully through the process of learning dark magic possibly to avoid those sorts of experiences um yeah. the, the very very negative side of it uh but yes uh the rest of it i, I think i will leave this metaphor exploration up to the both of you <laughs> um i think it could fit lots of metaphors though um dark magic Four. is very yeah uh well we we don't have a lot of like hard and fast rules about you know canonic canonical rules about this is what dark magic is and it does cause a lot of debate which um isn't bad uh dark magic can it can be self-harm it can also be um kind of a sacrificial in a good way like yeah. gen genuinely uh you know when viren brought back the heart of the magma titan and he cast that big spell that saved everybody surely that big of a spell must have cost him quite a bit of energy i don't know exactly how he handled that but um he was the he was the mage who did that spell and that cost him something as on top of the journey and the loss of sarai and everything else that happened um, on that trip, which was very rough. That was a horrible trip. They had a bad time. Um, yeah. But they came back and he did the spell as well. That was the whole point. And he had to go through with it. It was it was kind of uh, the plan is that I'm going to do this. I'm going to save everybody. But he knew offering that plan that he was a part of the cost mm -hmm. of that plan. And he was willing to spend it. He was like, I will do yeah. this for everybody. Whatever he got from that personally, professionally, uh, emotionally, you know, who knows? You can, you can decide that. But I, um, I think there is always, well, maybe not always, but there's always the possibility, the potential yeah. that when you do any spell, primal spell, dark magic spell, anything, if it has an energy cost, that it really depends on the intent of the mage that's casting it. Mm -hmm. Why am I doing this? Are you doing it for yourself? Are you doing it against somebody? Are you doing it for somebody? Both, all of the above. Um, it's it's yeah, it's very complicated, and I think you have to consider. Um, you know, you have the system itself, the magic, and how it works, but then you have the people who are using it, yep. and that always has to be a component of the magic that you're that is being created, because in Zadia, in the in the human lands. 
when a mage casts a spell, there is a cost. It, there is an engagement, at least. Yeah. Um, and that has to be part of how you consider how it works and what it's for. Yeah. Um, and that makes it nice that it's that uh, it has, it can be variable. It can be, um, it can be taken lots of ways. It can be meant to lots of ways. And, There's a really fascinating track with dark magic in this show because uh, and i had a longer discussion specifically on the the ethical quandaries of the magma titan scenario with i actually uh that was an episode with jason simpson for everybody who wants to go back and listen to that that was a really great episode um but uh, what happened is often this show pits uh binary situations or seemingly binary situations with the use of dark magic in the sense of, what do you mean you're not going to save 100,000 people for the life of one Magma Titan? That seems like a, like a duh thing. But, you know, Sarai is the person that says, does it have a family? Does it have a life? Is it a, is it a, does, is it a person? Not necessarily human, but does it have personhood, right? Mm-hmm. And is it, like, in, in a lot of ethical people will say, is one life worth a thousand? And a universalist perspective will be like of course <laughs> like a hundred thousand people is much very worth it um mm-hmm. and then the other people who say the means to the ends are are you cannot sacrifice your means in order to achieve a really good end um and so it really just kind of depends on your ethical but it feels like most of the time dark magic is on the table for big decisions it's like uh, yeah we know it's bad but this seems like the best option it's the same thing for Soren, right? We don't know the toll it has on Claudia, aside from we see a little bit of pear color change. But a doe for curing paralysis seems like a pretty fair trade. <laughs> like, But it's one of those things where like, there, there's often in these binary situations where it's like these, they feel like um, these smaller impetuses of dark magic, instances of dark magic feel less consequential because these big moments are always like for good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I, it makes it very complicated. Right. And it is. What, what I think about this ficlet is that this is purely for her. This is not for someone else. This mm-hmm. is for her. This is for her pain. And that's, I think another reason why I was a little like, oh, here because it has implications for bringing you know dead people back and then it gets in all kinds of funky things um because what are the ethics of bringing of raising you know human people from the from the dead which is uh something that we're going to encounter uh <laughs> so interesting. we already have this is the yeah. same spell that brought back the smoky assassins oh this is the same spell it's the same spell it's the same spell as smoke wolves and the smoky assassins Mm -hmm. uh yes interesting except it's just for a little kitty so it's like much so much as it's a softer less taxing version at least that's how i've sort of thought about it i didn't realize it was the same one that was used for the elves that's fascinating oh yeah so there's another there's another bead chain for you (laughs) okay i we're gonna that's something that's in the uh, in the text in the, the the weird little dark magic thing i read at like 9 p.m while sick uh it, it says something about um it they will follow your instructions more or less i don't remember exactly uh-huh. what i wrote but uh 
that's sort of what I was trying to get at was the assassin spell, like a super powerful dark mage who's not eight years old and has like really, really terrible intent could use this for too great consequence. But there's a contrast to Claudia using it just to bring back the kitty she liked. So I, I like that that sort of spectrum of of the applications of dark magic just in a in a vacuum. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. This is my head yeah. exploding. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Well, I did not make that connection. Uh, and now I have, and it changes the game. Okay. Woohoo. Um, yeah, there's a lot of implications knowing that this spell has now been canonically used uh, three times. Yeah. And each one is, you know, has different reach and, and impact to it. Significant, significant yeah. <laughs> differences. Yeah. Well, y'all, uh, I would love to just hear our listeners' thoughts on this. Like, what's going through your head when you make this connection? Um, how are you, how are you feeling ethically after um, after all this? Okay, so we we've you know we've been diving into the the depths of of ethics here uh, in dark magic. Um, I'm curious if you know, dark magic were in our world, right? And we have the capacity to use dark magic, whatever the metaphor may be, um, or literal dark magic. Uh, I'm curious if uh, you have had a time in your life that you would have been tempted to use dark magic. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I'd, I'd, I'd do it plenty. Oh, oh. I'd bring back all my dogs. Come on. All, all, my, all my dogs. All yeah. <laughs> like the permanent dogs. Uh would you well, no, that? I don't want to say. Oh, you <laughs> Mine want is to... much darker. Yeah, much darker. Yeah, like. I mean, it could go darker. I'm trying to. I'm. I'm being chill today. Totally chill. <laughs> being chill. I. I think my threshold for using it is probably uh, higher. I think I would just not use it. I'd be like, oh, it's fine. I'll just get by without it. Um, and then if some something really intense came along, then yeah. I'd be like, okay, look, I have no other option. I think I'd feel. Uh, like Claudia at age eight, if something um, really, really bad came along uh, and I uh, had this one way to fix it, you know, I think I'd react like Claudia, um, like, this is the worst thing ever. And and there's only one way to fix it. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm not even gonna hesitate. I'm gonna jump. I'm gonna do it. Yeah. Honestly, same though. I'm a really stubborn person. And if I can wrestle a situation under my control, I will absolutely do it. So I think I would be, I'd probably be a, a dark mage if uh if given the power to do so yeah yeah we'd have our breaking bad moment somewhere out there (laughs) in the distance (laughs) yeah and you know i'm really i struggle with this and i i think just to to kind of voice aloud i i am inherently judgmental of dark magic based off of the what i have seen and what i have read and the way I have interpreted things and discussed things, I am pretty judgy of dark magic um, because it seems like there's an integrity issue with with dark magic almost um, of it seems as though we when we opt for what is fun, fast and easy over what is right, so to speak it's an integrity issue. And, you know, there's this implication that dark magic is not right. Um, And, you know, I have a personal ethical quandary with, you know, raising the dead or using the dead's ashes to create an image of it even feels very irreverent and um, 
there, it seems like there's something that happens, you know, on a spiritual level that feels wrong to me. And I don't know that I can voice that well enough to articulate exactly why, but I know that my bias is like, that feels wrong. And no, 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 you're right. I mean, (laughs) I'm definitely being flippant about it to be clear. I think like, of course, when I say like, I would hastily do dark magic. I'm, I'm, I'm more like, yeah, I can see myself being pushed into a situation where I made a choice, you know, and that's the humanity of it to me. Uh, That's why I think like, that's why I really like working on this project is because like, I can see all of the choices I've made in my life and all the ones that I regret or don't regret and sort of translate that metaphor up against dark magic and be like, did, did I do the spell? You know, like, like Mm. where, where do those things line up in my life and and how spooky is that for me as a person, you know, anyway. Well, and and I think that's exactly my point though, is that it feels like this wrong thing. And I know I do it all the time. Right. I think that's where I was landing is that I choose things. I choose to be complicit in decisions that are actively harmful in the world. Like, you know, I buy things off of Amazon. Right. And that is, you know, the little compromises, just little ones. And I use a cell phone. Like just the fact that I use a smartphone is illustrating how how complicit I, I am and all the things that like where did all the parts for this smartphone come from was it ethically sourced was it all this like when I buy certain things from a certain store when I go, like I am complicit in so much on a daily basis that is actively harming the world because you know corporate greed and I have no other like in it and that sucks <laughs> and I also know that I often don't have the willpower not to do it but more importantly i often don't have the the resources not to do it right there is uh there are financial burdens that like i can't afford to buy books at local bookstores often because they're marked up to the point where i i usually can't afford it to where i want to it's the same thing with food i can't afford local organic food often because it costs twice as much as it does and so i'm forced into this quote like dark magic of having to like take things because it's faster it's easier right and I, I think that's another thing that feels like dark magic so to speak so uh, we heard Devin now I've heard a little bit of mine Chris what about you like you you kind of said you were tempted but what are your thoughts on that I'm curious um ooh, uh well okay um dark magic does feel like it's made on uh it feels like it oh gosh i let me get the words for this no it's good i've got the idea in my head it's uh, uh scarcity it runs in a world where there's a finite amount of what joy justice love and there's never enough and so you keep having to sh- shift it around mm. um there's not enough so if i need it i will take it but that means you can't have any yeah today yeah but then maybe you take it from me later like it, it, dark magic seems to represent a an existence where not everybody can be happy all the time somebody has to be sad yeah. or somebody has to be in pain while other people are comfortable um it seems to and it's not that it it's not that it has to be that way for dark magic to work it's more like because this system exists, dark magic has manifested yeah. almost, yeah. Um, which is kind of in line with the lore a little bit. Um, there was an imbalance and dark magic 
um, exactly. came about. See, this is where I'm going. Um, like we have people who have billions of dollars and then we have people who uh, don't have enough money for food that week. Yep. This is in the same world. Is this necessary? No, but it keeps existing. Why? Why is it like this? And would you change that if you had dark magic and you could just do it? Would you do it? See, see, I, I think I was a little hasty earlier. And just like Claudia, I was thinking about myself. How would I use dark magic for myself? That was my first response. And I think uh, that's perfectly valid. Um, how do you better your life? Um, if you could, if you could make one wish kind of thing, what would you do? And I think I wish that first wish for myself. But I think if I could take a second wish, I might wish on a more Viren level where I would consider the whole kingdom. Yeah. And and fine. I would be like, look, we can do better. We can be safer. We can have more food. We can yeah. be more alive. You know, that sort of, why don't we all have this when we're all suffering? I would we're crush all... Jeff Bezos' heart in my hand and give everyone yeah. plenty of money to spend in the world, right? Yeah, that'd be a sick dark magic spell. Come on, let's go. <laughs> I'm here for it, right? <laughs> Is the toll on my body worth giving everybody in the world, you know, a million dollars. And so like, it's one of those things where like, that feels like one person taking that is like, that feels like a really ethical thing to do. <laughs> yeah, the, the Magma Titan was secretly a billionaire. Yeah. Yeah. That Magma Titan was like massively capitalist. So it was good oh. that we destroyed him. <laughs> like, here we are. This is how this ended. Like, okay. <laughs> oh, uh. wow. Okay. Yeah, like that. I think I could talk about dark magic for hours and talk about like all the things and all the uh, things that it does, and, and people do. And I think that's what's so cool about again about the show, like as if it weren't cool already. That it just continues to, um, and you know, that's one of the definitions of what sacred means is 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 a text or is a uh, medium sacred. And the way that is one is determines that is, is it generative? And this, the dragon prince is certainly generative, right? It, people are constantly creating fanfics are constantly drawing are constantly uh, creating from what is there. And if it's, that means it's, there's, there's something really sacred about it. And at least to me. And so I just am really, really grateful <laughs> that, 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 we get to continue to engage in this practice um, because it helps us live better in the world. Um, okay. My final question. Are you ready? This is, this is heavy. Bring it. I'm curious about a fun pet name that you have used for a pet in the past or hope to use in the future. Cause biscuit is a really great name for a cat. And I'm curious if you all have really good names for your pets. <laughs> burnt biscuit i'm so proud of her <laughs> burnt biscuit i literally was like oh, oh. I, got okay. a, I, I had a verbal reaction when i was in reading. the in the comments when when chris and i submitted the draft to the writing team the comments were like the whole writing team highlighted that and went like holy shit yeah wow. like, like thirded oh. oh my god like it was just this chain of reactions and i was like <laughs> okay that's we know that that part's landing that's good yeah it landed ah <laughs> uh. I love I love very distinct pet names. Um, doesn't matter in which kind of category they're distinct, but the narrower um, and more unique the the category that the name comes from, the more delightful it is. Um, I had a cat when I was 
oh gosh, this is so long ago. Um, middle school age, roughly several years in each direction. Um, it was mostly a white cat, and so I named him Edelweiss after the flower. Ah, not after because the my cat. family has German roots, and I grew up watching the uh, Sound of Music, and they have that song Edelweiss. There we go. <laughs> and instantly hear it in my head. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, very specific names uh, are delightful. I like specific names too. Well, my dog's names are Piper and Ember, and what I find more fun than the actual base names is the thing that the thing that you actually end up calling your pets. Um, and so Piper is not usually Piper. She's Peepo. She's Pip Pip. She's Pim Pam. She's Beepo. <laughs> uh, uh, Ember so is Emmy. She's Embo. She's Ember Dog um embryo yeah and be <laughs> like like she's she's all sorts of like i i love how they just become like a a mishmash of of sounds and so a beepo you know emmy emmy you know they're just bink inky bink ongle bongle <laughs> <laughs> just and they come they don't care <laughs> yeah they that's just adorable. know the sounds so it's fun and yeah that's cute oh wow yeah i someone told me yesterday it was it was funny i was they were telling me about their dog and they were saying yeah mayonnaise went and did this and i was like excuse me <laughs> and so their dog's name is mayonnaise and i was i was like uh, w- w- where did that come from and they said oh i thought it'd be funny and i was like it, it succeeded it worked <laughs> very good oh that's a very specific name exactly that's great that's that's a good name well, recently i learned that a coworker of mine has two dogs named ryan uh gosling and the other one is called ryan reynolds and I stop laughing. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh man. Well, listeners, we'd love to hear what your uh silly slash wonderful slash fun pet names are. I'm sure there are several. Feel free to post your pet alongside that. Tweet at us, BNB underscore pod. We'd love to hang out and, and see what's going on. Um okay. I wanna kind of bring us in and close us out with our usual uh activity, which is focusing on gratitude. And for our final gratitude, since this is a um, very, uh, this is a lesson on grief, this little ficlet. And so I'm curious who in the uh, Dragon Prince universe has taught you something about grief and what are, what are you grateful for that they have given you? I'd have to pick Athari, actually. Okay. Uh, he had a rough time there. Um, we met him for the first time uh, when he was having a, a, he was having a week or two there. It was bad. It was, it was, it was rough. He didn't, he didn't, and he didn't start off great. You know, he reacted poorly at first. He got angry, Um, but then he changed his mind and he helped because he still loved Rayla. He still wanted to help. He still wanted to be himself. And that was a choice in the middle of all of that. He made, that must have been a hard choice, but I like to think that because he'd made that choice over and over and over for his family before, that he would choose to help when things were hard, that it was a lot easier that in that moment to make it for Rayla than it might have been if, if he wasn't already that kind of person. Yeah. So I am grateful for his example because times have been hard for all of us. We've all had a rough couple of years, um, possibly just like Athari has. Uh, we'll see, I suppose. 
Um, so it's it's been really uh, encouraging to see him um, get back up and and help. And he that was an an acute bout of grief. It feels like it, you know with he he thought he lost both Rayla and uh, Runan, right? And yeah this idea of you know these these candles that they light and or whatever the, these ornaments that they light up and then float on this little pond oh yeah the lotuses right? yeah yeah mm-hmm. and then they they sink when when that person dies and he saw he saw one not there but also like i i we still are unclear on whether he knows that it's like half floating um yeah, we don't know. Uh, I'm very, I'm very interesting for interested in more of that story. Yeah. So, but it closure is important. <laughs> it seems like he thinks he lost both of them. Yeah. Um. And gosh, the 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 um, I just imagine the all of the complicated feelings that are associated with grief that he offers us a chance to work through. Right. Like the, yeah. to see him work through that is just really, yeah. I yeah, I love that. Well, Strongest character to me. Uh, well, thank you, Devin. How about you? Who are you grateful for? Uh, Callum, my little baby boy, triple orphan. Uh, little baby boy, <laughs> my little baby boy. Um, he's lost three whole parents. <laughs> I think he yeah. has dealt a lot with grief in a way that I find massively resilient for a kiddo his age. Um. Yeah. He maintains a vibrant, you know, optimism and spirit. And despite like seeing all the things he's seen and going through the things he's gone through. So I find him inspiring. So he's a good boy. I just love him. We see him like I, again, and in, in this rewatch, just him reading this letter from Harrow was just like, like because you know we see him process he's like cries multiple times in this show which is wonderful to see young men cry but also this moment where he is he says aloud i don't know if i can do this like at the very beginning of the letter and it's just oh it's just i love that he is so able to be expressive and I think what a lesson that is, right? I'm so grateful for that too, that he's just showing us what it looks like to process grief in a way that seems like w- without pushing it away, he just lets it happen. And that's something that I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so on board <laughs> with that one. And and so I guess my, my choice would be Harrow then because Harrow probably made choices differently than I might have. And yet he was doing the best that he could with the information he had and the capacities that he had. Uh, And he gave Callum this really beautiful letter. Right. And I, I just, one really love letter writing Two, I really love that he is as difficult as it may have been to say that in person, he's still doing his best to get it out somehow. And so I think that's a lesson for me is like, what are the ways that even when it's hard to communicate how I'm feeling? Um, and so I, I'm, I'm grateful for Hero. Ah, what a trio we have. Ah. <laughs> well, now I feel better after our, you know, d- dark depths of, of conversation. Now gratitude makes me feel more incredible. Um, okay. What did we miss? Did we miss anything that we need to touch on before we finish out? 
I think we're good. I can't think of anything. Awesome. Okay. Well, you haven't shared the way that you might want to be contacted since that first opening um, with uh, our covering the reflections at large. I'm curious if you all would love to share your uh, Twitter handles perhaps again so that people who want to find you can. Oh, yeah. I'm uh, Chris on Twitter. Hit me up or, or you know, block me, whatever. <laughs> I am at Devin Giel. Very simple. <laughs> okay. Well, you heard it from them, folks. This has been another full, lovely mini episode of Bending Not Breaking. Uh, we will be back in the next couple of weeks starting to cover season four of The Dragon Prince, which is just an incredible thing to say out loud. And I look forward to sharing all of those episodes with you. But until next time, be well and do good. <laughs>